0: As a free, not for profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au/slash donate. Cradio! This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke.
1: And I'm Victoria.
0: And um, I'm going to I'm gonna actually keep that, I'm not going to edit that properly, uh, so that you can get an idea of the really <laughs> long delay that there was uh, between me saying something and Victoria saying something, and that's because we're actually talking from opposite sides of the world.
1: Yay! Yay. <laughs> Across <the> ponds.
0: <laughs> Across several ponds, yes. Um, yeah, so, uh, today we're, um, well, first of all, we're saying that we're on opposite sides of the world, but, you, you know, there's a lot on that side of the world. So, where are you at the moment, Victoria?
1: I am calling from London. It's the morning and um, around Kensington Way. So, it's really nice over here. Lovely.
0: Cool. Well, I am in Tasmania uh, in Newtown, in, which is in Hobart. Um, and it's 4.37 37 in the afternoon. So this is this is international spectacular. <laughs> and uh Kiara is unfortunately sick, uh, but she's in Sydney, so this would have been like not really that international. Um been pretty Australia-dominated, but nonetheless, um, we've got a 50-50 split at the moment. Uh, and so yeah, hopefully uh we can edit this up so it's not too Delayed and a bit crazy stuff happening uh, But yeah So the last time that we recorded was uh, I don't even remember I think Kiara and I did a couple of recordings Last year mm-hmm. uh, And prior to that I don't know, it might have been before I left I think
1: No, 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 because you came back for I think you did some over like a, a holiday of some sort Probably The, ter- the term three to four the, term, the end of Term 3 holidays, I think we did something.
0: Okay. I I don't remember. It's just... Gosh,
1: that's a while. It
0: is a while. So, there you go. We're already in May of 2018, but hey, we're back. We've got a way to do it. Um, and <laughs> yeah. So, today we're going to be looking at Brideshead Revisited by... What's his name? <laughs> I was going to say like Oscar Wilde yeah. or something like that. Everyone <laughs> wore... <laughs> This is a great start. (laughs) This is why they're on hiatus for so long. (laughs) Uh, Yes, which is, um, how would you describe it? I guess it's a, it's, it's, I guess the uh, fictional memoirs of a man. uh, Oh man, this is really, this is really terrible. Like I've got nothing. I've got nothing happening here. Let's, let's do that bit again. It's the fictional memoirs of Charles Ryder, um, who is an officer in the British Army in the Second World War. But that barely has anything to do with the book because it's mostly about his uh, youth and then kind of as he grows older and sort of uh, the interwar period um, and kind of starts in around about the 1920s and finishes at, if you don't sort of count the prologue and epilogue, finishes kind of in the lead up to the Second World War. Um but, I mean, that's all very background kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, Victoria, I guess, would, do you want to sort of give a, a kind of plot summary minus spoilers, minus major spoilers anyway? Yeah,
1: okay. Okay, so Charles Ryder is, as Luke said, an officer in in the British Army, and they are posted at um, various country estates throughout the war to train and to do this and that. And at one point he finds that he has been sent to a country estate that he is very familiar with it's called Brideshead um hence the title Brideshead Revisited he goes back there and he um uh remembers everything that happens and it was the house of uh his his best friend from university Sebastian and and his family so Sebastian's family uh Julia his sister uh, brideshead his older brother who's usually called bridey to avoid con- confusion um and his mother and and various other characters the the nanny and um and the priest uh, because they have a chapel uh in their country estate which is awesome um and it's just it's how would you i don't want to spoil anything but uh, Charles and Charles and Sebastian have this friendship. Charles is sort of brought into the family and all its good points, all its good features, but all its very kind of I would say almost like toxic behavior as well. And all their lives sort of interweave together to the point where Charles and one of the characters from the um family um meet again much later on, and they bring news of what everyone's been up to over. You know, the last decade or so and you see how people have changed and how their attitudes have changed or stayed the same or matured or whatever it is. Um and and then it ends, I think, with with Charles at the house when when he's older, re- like finishing his reflection. That
0: was a very that was a very um it was a very prudent yeah. <laughs> um <I can't, laughs> summary I mean, of the plot. You gave away nothing. <laughs>
1: Enjoy my bland plot summary.
0: <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough.
1: I just don't know. I just don't. I don't want to ruin anything, so I had to kind of keep that bland.
0: No, it's really no. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, um, I'd probably say. I mean, it's probably. I'd say it's probably okay to spoil things that kind of happen before, like fifty percent of the book is over. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not spoilers, but I guess like some of the difficulties in the book. You could probably say, like, of oh, it's inevitable. We're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna talk about it. Like it's it's gonna I guess, as Victoria was saying, you know, it's um there's a lot of, I guess it's very apparent from from the outset of um of of the the book. Um once Charles sort of comes in contact with Sebastian and and eventually his family. I mean, he has this meeting with is it with Anthony? um about and he basically sits him down <laughs> it's quite amusing there's like he has this um he has this dinner
1: no i know the one you're talking about and i listened to this as an audiobook with jeremy irons um reading it and he did a smashing job of this section with this eccentric character it was wonderful
0: <laughs> it's so funny because it goes for it, it's possibly a little bit more amusing in the book because this it 's meant to be like this conversational most uh, over dinner, and it 's basically a monologue that goes for about what <laughs> like a two or three pages or <laughs> something like that it 's pretty funny of him basically sitting him down and saying, Look, you know, I bet you think this Sebastian guy's really cute because sebastian 's a bit of a, a bit of an eccentric character he has a teddy bear um that he has conversations with and
1: called Aloysius
0: Called Aloysius, yes. Um and but you know, there's a lot of dirt in this family. There's a lot of skeletons in the closet, right. Um, and he's right. there are a lot of skeletons in the closet, basically. Um, Lady Marshmaine, um, who who's the mother of Sebastian, um, is separated from from their father, who is currently living in Venice um, at this point in time in the book with his his mistress. Um, he's had some kind of breakdown, it's hinted at, um, that leads him to that point. And I think he abandons her during the First World War. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing this, that's sort of borne out. He just,
1: he just never comes back.
0: Sebastian's kind of, Sebastian develops what starts out as, I guess, what seems to be a fairly childish um, affection for alcohol, develops into into a severe alcoholism and he spirals from there. Um, Mm -hmm. Lady Marshmaine appears to have a kind of very um, She appears to be playing a very kind of almost It seems controlling game over the family Because she wants to sort of hold everything together Um, And it's very apparent that things aren't being held together Um, And so I guess the book kind of develops over the Constant
1: Mm -hmm.
0: crash and burn of this family um and sebastian and not sebastian, well, sebastian obviously but also um charles sort of involved with that um that hopefully doesn't spoil too much because i remember i was um i was actually and i might come back to this a little bit i was talking to to a religious sister friend of mine and she said it was it's one of her favorite books or her favorite book um and and I said to her, I was sort of about midway through the book, and I said, oh, actually, no, I think I was only at the end of the first kind of section of it. Um, and I'm like, I don't know how it could get any worse. And she's like, it gets worse. <laughs> and it does. Um, but I guess that that sort of leads into the, the first thing that I wanted to kind of talk about with this, um, and that was – I guess it was interesting that when I was reading this reading this as, as I went through, it reminded me a lot of um, of another uh, uh, piece of literature that we've done. Can I, um, can I, can I,
1: I guess? Because one of my only points is something I think you're going to touch on. Are you going to say that Charles Ryder is a little bit of a Nick Carraway from The Great Gatsby?
0: No. There was actually two other books that I was going to to look at in comparison to this. And that wasn't one of them, actually. The one that I was going to say, although that's a really good point, actually, what you're going to say. I'd be interested to know what you say there. But I was thinking Eugene Onyegin. Is that how you pronounce it? What was that book that we did, the the Russian one?
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) the one that we listened to in the car. Um, You you would say Eugene Onyegin, but it would probably be more accurate, to say Yevgeny Onyegin.
0: Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it
1: doesn't matter.
0: Don't. Doesn't really matter. We did a whole part podcast saying Yeats, you know. <laughs> I think I think once we've done that, it's it's done. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> it's so nonetheless, so bad. Um, <laughs> Eugene Onegin. The reason why why I was kind of thinking of this throughout this book is that. What I found quite interesting about something, a, a criticism that I had of Eugene Onegin, whether that was a criticism or just my own kind of like faults um, with approaching it, um, was that I, I mentioned at the time that it was like, man, this book is so empty. Like it just feels like the, the, it's just such a, such a melancholy kind of empty world that, that, that Eugene sort of sets up. You know, it's, it's very despairing, I found. Um, And it was just, yeah, it was really yuck It's really interesting, I found, that Bride's Head was um, similarly very sad A lot of bad things happen in this book You spend certain times of the book, one specific time in the book, far out um, almost screaming at Charles, just being like,
1: you, ah,
0: you know, like, because what
1: is wrong with you,
0: but it's really, it's really fascinating. And I think it's, it's a sign of such a, such a great, um, such a great author that Evelyn war can, I found, and I don't know if you found this Victoria, but I found that throughout this whole book, I never had a sense of despair. You know, there was always horrible, bad things going on in this book. And I don't know whether it's because, like, ways people have hinted to me about this book, like, oh, that's such a fantastic Catholic novel and this kind of thing. And that I sort of had this sense of, okay, like, this can't be that bad, surely. Or, and and I'm tending to think that it's not just, it's not necessarily just that, but it's the way that war writes this book, that there's always this kind of sense of hope running throughout. He drops these things in throughout the novel that seem a little bit unusual. That it's like, wh- why would you tell us that? One of them, for example, was that about halfway mean, through the... Me. Well, I'll give you an example. So, about halfway through the book, um, Charles, and it's written it's written in first-person perspective from, from Charles, um, Charles mm-hmm. basically almost straight out mentions that he becomes a Christian at some point in his life. Um, mm-hmm. Now, throughout the entirety of this of this book, um, with the exception of certain parts that I won't talk about because of spoilers, I mean, that's a spoiler, but, like, he pretty much drops the hint pretty early on. Um, he's an atheist throughout pretty much this entire thing, or an agnostic, um, and yet he drops this at a pretty random point in the book. Like, it seems like... Well, why you are you telling do remember exactly where it is. Look, I, I couldn't tell you, like, the page number or something like that, but he makes mention, and I'd have to try and remember it because I don't have the book in front of me, but he makes mention of something about a um, a worldview that I would eventually adopt.
1: Oh, yes, no, I remember that. I remember that.
0: And it's really fascinating that he does that because it's at a – It's a very odd time? I would find it a very odd time for him to do it. And it seems like a spoiler because it's like, why would you tell us that? And as the book develops, it's like, this is really interesting that I have this knowledge in the back of my head.
1: It's almost like a lifeline. (laughs) You're like, surely, they can't go that bad, surely. Yeah,
0: it's the the way that I kind of, it reminded me- And, I mean, this sort of goes into the second thing that I wanted to talk about, is that this book I found is a really good example of what I would kind of call gritty grace. Mm
1: -hmm. Flannery O'Connor, is this what you're going to talk about?
0: Yeah, Flannery O'Connor, basically, is that...
1: Yeah, I was getting the Flannery O'Connor vibes everywhere from this book.
0: This book... I I thought was absent, and this is what the 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 religious sister that was talking to me about it. I mean, she didn't spoil anything, but she said it was just such a beautiful book about grace, right? And pretty much up until like the final pages of the book, you're like, where is this going? You kind of get, you kind of can start to develop an idea of, "Mm, I think I know where this is going, but I had like 16 pages to go, and it's still terrible. (laughs) Like, you know, there's nothing good (laughs) happening here, you know, and it. It's interesting that that the way I found that that the way that war sets all this up, right? That there's still and and the way I would just the way I guess that, that it came to my head was this. Um, there's this song. I don't know if you've heard of a heard of a band called Need to Breathe, but anyway, they have this song called, called Yes.
1: No, I have.
0: Well, they had this song called Wasteland, and and in the in the refrain of the song, there's this line, and it's and it's um there's a crack in the door filled with light, and it's all that I need to get by, and it's interesting because it sort of feels like that what Evelyn war does here is that he continues to have through this book, that it's just this darkness, you know, it's, it's, it's a book of real, um, real disasters going on, real family crises that are going on, um, and, and personal crises. Um, and yet there's this crack in the door filled with light that you can just see, you know, there, that, that, that there's hope, you know, that there's hope that there's something that's going to come through. Um, and yeah, we, we, you know, it's it's really beautiful how Evelyn Waugh sets all this up, you know, that that everything's going wrong and yet by the end of the book and you know, if you don't want any spoilers, maybe just skip the next 2 minutes of this of this because I'm pretty much going to talk about spoilers. Oh,
1: wait. We kind of have to. I I can't think of any podcast where we've successfully actually masked what happened in the plot. That's a
0: good point. That's a good point.
1: (laughs) How how, how are you meant to kind of delve into it?
0: It's true. It's true. I guess it's the kind of book where the spoiler is is so amazing. Like it's such an amazing kind of way that it all kind of comes together um, that you kind of feel a bit Mm. bad about telling people who haven't read it. But nonetheless, I guess.
1: you You have warned them, so it's okay. I've warned
0: them. That's your warning. (laughs) <laughs> but basically what in the in a similar way to how Flannery O 'Connor um, kind of has God underneath everything that 's going on has this current of grace going on underneath all the what seems like on the surface a great storm war. In a, the way that I kind of visualise it, like when I was thinking and praying about this, is that he almost sets up that God never is is not an active player in this story, uh, in the sense that there's no character of God in the story that that speaks. You know, he's he's there working, but but you don't know it on the surface. But it's almost like he sets up that God is basically. He's attempting to demolish a building, but he wants to demolish it in a very specific way that doesn't just like flatten everything around. You know, demolish everything in the in its path. You know, he wants to. He wants it to basically like. I don't know how they do this, but you've ever seen like how when they blow up buildings, they manage to do it in a way that it kind of the
1: pancake buildings?
0: It kind of pancakes. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. It's like how do they do that without destroying all the other buildings? You know, and it's because they set the explosives in a very specific way. And it's almost like what war is is developing here is that God basically allows a lot of bad things in this book to happen because if these things didn't happen Charles Ryder would never have become a catholic Mhm I don't know if you saw that as well but basically no, if No,
1: I certainly did.
0: If Sebastian hadn't gone into this terrible alcoholic state, he may never have ended up in Morocco with this this German man who he has to basically look after because Sebastian's basically been looked after his whole life and he just goes crazy because of it, and he has to look after this mm-hmm. man and then eventually end up in contact with these Franciscan monks and presumably, you know, live the rest of his life in this as... Um,
1: uh, as the porter.
0: As basically the porter, yes. And as, um, was it Claudia? What was her name? The younger sister. Um, Julia. Oh, Cordelia. Cordelia, yes. Cordelia. As Cordelia kind of hints at that, basically, he'd spend the rest of his life, you know, going between sin and and virtue, (laughs) pretty much. Um, Sin and forgiveness. (laughs) And that, yeah, that's how he's going to live the rest of his life. But that's the way that God's going to have him. That if, if Lady Marshmaine never, never dies, you know, that certain things in this book can't happen. That if Charles doesn't abandon his family to take up a, an affair with Julia, that he would never have been in that situation where he basically witnesses a miracle, you know. Yeah. And for all these other characters, that includes Julia, you know, as well. Um, that for all these other characters in the book as well, that basically God performs miracles in their lives because he allowed these terrible things to happen. Now, that's probably not, you know, the best argument in the world for, for an for an atheist or something like that who who, you know, wants to try and fight things out and say, well, why couldn't this have happened? You know, why couldn't God have figured out another way or anything like that? But I guess to me, in a similar way to how Flannery O'Connor kind of makes you think, well, you know, God really knows what's going on. God's the one who's in control. You know, he, he's the one who's going to allow us to make stupid mistakes because he's allowing these things to happen so that all the little pieces can fall into place that will lead to basically our, our redemption, our conversion um, that may not have happened otherwise or in such a beautiful way. That's just my thoughts there of, of of brideshead. One of the main things that I kind of got out of it um, was just I
1: love it. No, it's great.
0: Yeah, it was really it was really beautiful. I just found it, look honestly, I think it's one of the best written books I've ever read in my life. It's definitely going to be one of my favourites, and this is really rare because most books, you know, I'll read and I'll have very little intention of ever reading them again. Brideshead revisited, I probably would read again at some point in my life. I definitely would want to read it again because it was just so enjoyable and such a beautiful book. And man, he's such a good writer. <laughs> he's such an enthralling writer. Yeah. So I think um, I think this, this episode has um, or is going to go for a very long time. Um, we're doing a bit of time travel here. We're kind of going back into the middle of the episode. It's a little bit weird, um, but I guess, you know, that's what happens in podcast land. Um, I think what you, yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here, and we'll probably That's a good
1: idea. Though we did say before that we were going to have a really short episode.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that went looks, out the window. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what happens. You know, I think I'm looking at my recording here, and like I said, we're doing a little bit of time travel at the moment. Um, and um, my recording is currently at an hour and six minutes. Um, so. I think <laughs> we can probably split it, so I think we might do that.
1: But that—that's that's twenty. That's twenty minutes of like pre-recording, though. So,
0: well, it's not as much as we think, actually, because I, I, I'm I'm oh using gosh, a couple okay. of different yeah. Um, so I think we might wrap it up there and uh, and keep the audience off for, for, for the next episode uh, of Bride's Head Revisited, Revisited, or Continued, or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, and and we'll do that in the next episode. So. Tune in next time. You'll be on the edge of your seats. Bye. (laughs)
1: Bye. That was an episode of Catholic's
0: Read from cradio.org.au.